So hopefully everybody has an outline by now. It should say the Jesus invasion. The Jesus invasion. And uh, Jesus truly was an invasion. Man, I'll tell you what. He was prophesied for centuries ahead of time. And when he arrived, he made quite a splash in the day of his time and on earth. And then after that, for all these centuries, continuing through the centuries, and the gospel of the kingdom has been marching forward steadily through all the centuries. It's amazing how many people are in the family of God now, all across the earth. And one thing that all of us should be measuring and looking for, and uh, this isn't on the, the outline, but I just wanted to say this. So the scripture says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, then the end comes. And so there are people that are smarter than I am, but mission people that watch after the world and look and try to measure how far away we are from that goal, this gospel of the kingdom being preached in the whole world. And it's amazing how much progress we're making, how far the gospel is reaching and where it's reaching, even in countries that you wouldn't think uh, God would be moving. He's moving very, very powerfully. We live in a very, very strange time because you see the Jesus invasion formulae with him coming in the flesh happened a couple thousand years ago. But every decade it gets stronger and stronger, but I would say especially in the last uh, 50 years. We've never seen anything like the way Jesus is invading the planet. In Muslim populations and Hindu populations and huge numbers of people that have never heard the gospel before. It's not so fancy because so many, not many people talk about it, but there's some nerds out there like me who follow such things. I'm like a missions nerd, so I'm always wondering because I know there's, this is part of the countdown, right? So we have an invasion. If Jesus invaded the planet 2,000 years ago, He's doing so now more than you could imagine. And I don't care about the violence and the crazy things. Everything's making a lot of noise, but what's going on uh, quietly in some t ways and quite loudly in others, even having whole nations upset about it and leaders wondering what they're going to do, is the gospel continues to move in populations and areas of the world that don't have Jesus, that haven't had him in the last 2,000 years till now, till the last 10 years, till the last 5 years even. Wow. So there's this prayer in Isaiah 64, 1, I like. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Well, he came down, and he keeps coming down. And every generation, Isaiah's cry has been the deepest longing, especially of God's people. Oh, God, that you would come, that you would rend the heavens, that you would manifest yourself in a, a wonderful way, in a way that we can all see and, and be aware of. And... Um, I have to keep saying this. I feel like a broken record a little bit when I talk like this, but it's just such an amazing thing, and it's something everybody needs to know. You need to know that the world is not only changing for the worse in some ways, you know, that gets all the publicity, but what you don't know is the salt of the earth is still salty, and you can't see it, but it's still leavening the earth in a way that no one could have ever imagined, and certainly the ancients would never have imagined. There'll be this many people in heaven especially in people groups that have been, until maybe the last 10 years, have been totally unreached, totally had the, no gospel, no Jesus in their culture for all these centuries, until just the last few years. And it's increasing. That's the way you can measure, more than any other way, how, how close we are uh, to the end. We've got violence, and we've got some crazy stuff happening in Israel. But this is the key. And even amongst the Jews, the movement of Jesus Christ amongst the Jews is at an unparalleled level 
It's amazing what's going on. And uh, anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. Well, they're doing it right now, even as we speak. And of course, in every generation, Isaiah's cry has been the deepest longing of God's people. At the baptism of Jesus, heaven was torn open. The Spirit of God descended upon him, and the Father thundered his approval. I really like that. I want to read these verses. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And then this audible voice comes, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. So, the Father announced it, cleared his throat, spoke from heaven. People heard it. Jesus heard it. Jesus needed to hear it. He needed to be affirmed. And he was, and of course in many ways, he was affirmed even beyond that. At the baptism of Jesus, heaven was torn open. The Spirit of God descended upon him, and the Father thundered his approval. There's a Jesus invasion afoot, and it's been going on for years, and it's increasing. When Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the temple, I mean the tombs, broke open. I want to read those verses for a moment. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. I bet they wondered what in the world happened there. I think probably a lot of priests that are actually recorded in the early chapters of Acts uh, coming to Christ came because of that. They all went in there and took a look at that curtain. <laughs> and it was in half, and nobody could figure out why, right? Until all of the people who were speaking about this and the apostles were preaching, and they began to put two and two together. That was sort of an unmistakable thing. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Wow. The tombs broke open, foreshadowing you-know-what, right? The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the satyrian and those with him were guarding, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Surely he was the Son of God. So I was reading through a book by Bill Johnson again uh, called Hosting the Presence. And it's a great book because it explains the invasion of Jesus to earth in, in three statements. So the first thing he says is the heavens opened. The prince of the power of the air had no authority over Jesus, the prototype of every believer who followed. So the enemy was uh, canceled in a sense. He was disarmed. Matter of fact, Jesus puts it this way because he not only passed the armament that he used to disarm the devil down to us. This is a powerful passage. This is something we should be living in all the time and can be, can be living in all the time. It's amazing how we don't live in this simply because we just get discouraged. Most of our problem is between our ears and in our emotions. And we get discouraged too easily. But this is what Jesus passed along for us. And it's important to know what he passed on. Not only what he did, but what he passed on. Look what he says. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When I see people panicking about our culture, about our government, uh, in weird ways, 
uh, it's just as bad as the people that are complaining about something, you know. And there's a lot of people complaining. You know, we have to remember who we are. Like, we're not a, a part of the answer at all. That's sort of the thing you get, you know. What a world, what a world, what a world. Move to Florida. I said that for you. <laughs> there's probably a few others of you here. <laughs> Actually, I found a guy who moved from Florida here the other day. That was amazing. I <laughs> don't see that very much. Truly, I tell you, I couldn't resist, sorry. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's me and you. That's not like some super saint. That's all of us. Again, and then he says, I know that you had a hard time with that one. Now I'll give you the next. I'm going to say that again. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So he's with us, but not only with us just to be with us, have a nice, cozy, emotional time with God, but we are binders and loosers. We have the ability to bind and loose and work in the heavenly places, those nasty, demonic places and calling down the angels to their places and uh, moving the furniture around in the supernatural world, so to speak. Wow, the heavens open. Second statement. The veil was torn. A new covenant for God's people began. The requirements for relationship with God are now met by faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only son, that whoever, what? Believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that belief is not just an intellectual thing. It is intellectual, and it starts like that, but it gets down into the soul, the spirit. It gets down to, you know, if you're really convinced about something, and boy, are there a lot of people around today that are convinced of stuff. I've never seen so much conviction flying around in my whole life. <laughs> All kinds of convictions, man. They're everywhere. Convictions are everywhere, except toward who? Well, even toward Jesus, but... Maybe we have a lot more convictions about politics and other things than Jesus right now. I'll tell you what. But the requirements for relationship with God are now met by faith in Jesus, conviction in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever is convicted about believes, should not perish but have everlasting life. In Psalm 20, I mean, Matthew 27, verses 50 to 54, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tent, tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. It seems like there's an invasion from every side. Even the dead were coming around, hanging out, right? <laughs> that must have been something, huh? When the centurion and those with him were, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. If anybody could be the Son of God, it must have been him. Third thing, the rocks split. The hardest places on earth began to respond, signifying that Jesus, the King of glory, was welcome to rule there. God sends us to the hardest places on earth. We are built on the rock of believing that Jesus is the Son of God and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. 
And I'll tell you, this, as we go on with world history, I'm telling you, this passage I'm about to read has become more and more true. And I just want to keep telling you that. And I'd like you just to remember, just for your own encouragement and exhortation and understanding of where we're at in this thing, this, this thing that is happening with regard to the world being evangelized and the kingdom coming is so... Uh, uh, powerful, so amazing. It would be terrible for you to be on this earth and in the midst of your depression and discouragement and anger at a political party and to miss the big show. I suspect that what's going on in even Israel is part of the big show. Pain, sorrow, death. Sounds like a good time for Jesus to show up, for supernatural healing and miracles to happen, for the Prince of Peace to show up with his people coming soon to a theater near them, I'll tell you that. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is there in flesh and blood, but not everybody was convinced. And we would think that if Jesus showed up in a miraculous way or some unusual way that we would believe, but truth is, no. That's not always the case. Something was happening on the inside when you got that miracle, or something did happen, or you allowed it to happen on the inside. You are the most blessed people on the planet. You're some of the best, best, best dressed, mobile, best people. Blessings, blessings, blessings. But also, in a region like this, we also seem to be some of the most unthankful people in the world, right? It's so important to understand how blessed we are financially. Blessed we are that even in our own territory, there's no war right now here with us, right? Thank God. It's the war on the freeway every week, but other than that, we're good, right? And I tell you that you are Peter, he said, well, first of all, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. So you that know Jesus, it wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. You didn't just get it from your parents or from a good preacher, preacher or, or some friend of yours. That was maybe the delivery system. But, but actually, uh, God revealed this to you. The Holy Spirit revealed it to you. And you took him up on his, ads, uh, on his uh, request or his information. By flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Then he says this, I will give you the keys of the king of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this is part of the extension, by extension, to us as well. We've been given the keys of the kingdom. The rocks are splitting all over the place, and he's using us to do it. I don't care how overwhelming it seems, how crazy it seems. Don't get your eye off the ball. There's a lot of insecure, afraid people out there, and they need Jesus. And you don't need to be afraid because Jesus made promises to you that he always keeps. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If God be for you, then like who could be against you? Right? One after the other the promises that the apostles live by and we can live by. We don't live by bread alone, but what? For every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And sometimes there's a process and a time, right? Or it takes a little while, but we host God's presence. 
We're the ones that bring salvation and healing to the world. The Spirit of God came down upon Jesus, and this experience becomes every Christian's experience. The Spirit of God coming down. Let's read in Acts chapter 1. I love uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That must have been amazing, seeing a risen son of God, somebody that you saw die a bloody death, like hanging out and eating with you, right? <laughs> like a, wow. Um, but it's interesting. Oh, I love Jesus so much for this. He could have floated in the air, did somersaults, you know, you know, levitated a few people, you know, done some cool stuff, you know. But look what it says. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he's actually eating with them. Does the Son of God need to eat after he resurrects from the dead? Why was he doing that? Calming them down, fellowshipping with them, being friends. <sighs> friends are so powerful. Just a relationship with another person. It has huge dividends in terms of helping them, helping you. It's amazing. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why I hold my class. You'll see it again in January. I've been doing it three times a year for the entire length of our church, for the entire time we've been here. And I just do the same thing. I release this baptism, this filling with the Holy Spirit. I tell you where it is in the Bible. I pray for you. We want everyone to experience this filling, this baptism. Baptism means to be immersed. So show up in January. I'll be doing it again in a class. And we had a whole new batch to get filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and praying and getting all kinds of ministry. We'll do it again. I do it all the time. Why? Because it's part of the invasion of Jesus to the earth. It's part of the way we get equipped. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're armed and dangerous. We become his witnesses on a whole another level. Matter of fact, and of course, Matthew chapter 28, which is so important and explains so much to us. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, this is verse 16, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Whoa, what? Wow, so this doubt thing is a serious disease. It could even catch you, even hanging around with the risen Son of God. Whoa, that's a warning sign for all of us, but also maybe a little comfort. If they could be that way, maybe we could get a little in there and be okay, right? But we just don't want to stay in that space, do we? Doubt doesn't do anything. It just puts your car in reverse, and hopefully you don't hit something when you do it, right? It's terrible. Then Jesus came to them and said, you know what, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, notice the disciples that were still sort of in this weird place. I'll guarantee you when the Holy Spirit fell on them at Pentecost and kept falling, they weren't in that place at all. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. How, how often? Always. To the very end of the age. Aren't you glad you put that in there? We're toward the end of the procession, I think, somewhere, right? So maybe we're really closer than we know, but we're closer than they were by a couple of thousand years, right? So he's still doing the stuff. He's still doing this. There's still a Jesus invasion going on big time. And I'm a missions nerd, I just admit it. And some of you, like, I get talking about this and you sort of fall asleep. 
Maybe my wife does that every once in a while. Because, you know, if you hear the same drum beat, pretty soon you go to sleep. But hopefully I can change the tenor a little bit. But we, we are experiencing an unusual, amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit and grace. Signs and wonders that haven't been sin, seen since the beginning. Everything you can imagine, people rising from the dead and nations who've been asleep for 2,000 years suddenly waking up. Whole Muslim populations. I love to brag about my friend James. I got involved with him just right around 2000. And uh, we got really deeply involved helping finance the stuff he's doing and all. We got involved. There were a couple of hundred churches there in his home state. Now we have 31,000 churches scattered across him. 31,000 in this roughly two decades. And if you understand anything about geometric multiplication, if you get that many believers moving, what happens to the multiplication factor? And believe me, these people are moving. We are targeting every single village and city in India. It's moving. So what do you think it's going to be like five years from now? We're getting into a geometric growth right now. A move of God that's unparalleled in that area of the world never happened in the history of the world. So at the same time we have all this war going on and all this, we're seeing amazing, glorious, incredible things. And i got to get back on track, because once I get down that road, I keep chasing that one for a long time. So let's look at Roman numeral three. The key issues for our time are as follows. Every believer has an open heaven. We live like Jesus and go. We do what the Father's doing as he shares his affection for us and the world. I want to just say this. This is a really important thing, because not only... Are we the light of the world? But it turns out that we're kind of a warm light. All right? We're filled with the Father's love. And discovering that love for you will empower you so much more to handle your unsaved relatives and all the other people you got to face this, <laughs> this season. Not to mention the crazy, crazy people that are getting crazier and crazier by the day, drinking the kool-aid of the world right and so i want you to notice something in john 5 19 and 20 i'm talking about the jesus invasion but here's one of the ways that he's doing it with us in terms of us being the invaders listen to this this is a critical thing for me this has been like one of my huge my most important scriptures that i've been using in my life uh, over the last 10 or 15 years for truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do he can on, he can do only what he sees his Father doing. Now, I've had that in my mind for a long time, ever since I joined the vineyard many years ago, talking all about that. But the key is down further, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And why can he do that? How can he see? How does he have eyes to see? For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. This is a critical thing for the Jesus invasion. Compassion. Compassion. I tell you, the older I get, the more I see. When I get compassion for someone, I'm on. When I look and try to have compassion for someone, it generally is available. Compassion and miracles go side by side. When you get that burden for someone, when you get that sudden sense of empathy for them, go for it. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Just plop yourself right into the situation. You don't have to figure it out. You know, just 
Be generous. That's a good way to go. For the Father loves the Son and show us what He's doing. So when you feel that love, you begin to look at the world differently. Most of us don't look around the world and are not generous because we don't feel loved ourselves. I'm not just talking about Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I learned that in Sunday school. I mean emotionally. So that's why in our introductory classes, in my class, and we'll occasionally have a seminar on this, we just talk and spend all our time talking about receiving the love of the Father. There is such a thing as compassion coming into the heart and changing you from the inside out, no matter how long you've known the Lord. You might even say, well, man, I haven't had that experience, or maybe it's been a while, or... Yeah, there might have been a time when I first got saved. How boring. You got loved and you felt first love 50 years ago and you haven't felt a thing since? That's horrible. No, I'm not talking about getting excited about signs and wonders and mirrors. I'm talking about you experiencing the love of God, knowing without a shadow of doubt He loves you, and getting a divine hug. Because when you get hugged, you start hugging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you notice that? So that's where the action is. For the Father loves the Son, and then He shows them all He does. You begin to see people. You see them differently. You get information about them. You want to be a prophet? Start getting the Father's love on the inside, and you'll start seeing all kinds of things. And then all you have to do then is kind of react in that in faith, right? Sometimes we see, but we don't respond. And one thing that we've been really working on here is seeing. Seeing and responding. That's what the warehouse and all the other outreach we do. My goodness. The warehouse is going absolutely bonkers. I mean, it's going crazy. I walked through there. There were 250 people in there the other day. 250 people that don't know their right hand from their left. We had a Black Friday, which is the whitest Friday we've ever had. It was incredible. And you look at the people, and they're going through there, and they're so happy, and they're getting all these deals and stuff, and they're so easy to talk to. It's like, like man, it's like, Ducks in the pond, man. They're just there to be harvested, talked to. Everybody's in a good mood because they're getting a good deal. They'll talk to you. They wonder about the place, you know. You know, right now it's like the perfect timing. So they're kind of in a good mood in there because, you know, prices are so high and all this stuff, and you get so much good stuff, you know. And they're already in a place. But when this love comes for them, not as shoppers, not as whatever, not as church people, whatever. You just feel something for a person that's down the aisle or behind the cash register or wherever. Boy, I tell you, the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. So the key to him seeing things was this mercy that he felt, the compassion, the love he felt. So I always try to surf the wave of any compassion I feel and try to get better at crying even. Now, I'm not very good at that. I'm sort of a stoic person. My dad was certainly the most stoic person I think I've ever seen in my life. So I sort of had that little bit thing there, right? But he was compassionate, deeply compassionate. He just never showed his emotions, right? So when I went down under this emotion of compassion and sort of been falling ever since, it made me feel like a sissy. It made me feel like, pfft. I thought, my first thought was, as that began to happen to me, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I finally lost it. The pressure's been too intense. You know, when Ferdinand the Bull makes you cry, you're in serious trouble, right? And that's how it started. It was ridiculous, right? But the key thing, key issues for our time, when you feel compassion like that, and it, sometimes it comes because you've been in trouble. So you've got an extra dose inside of you. But use that to your advantage. Use that to your advantage to hear the voice of God to a per, even a perfect stranger. And I got 
On the other side of my family, my grandmother may possibly be the most compassionate woman I ever saw because she was injured most of her life. She was sick most of her life. And she would get in that wheelchair, and before we know it, she, and I've told you this before, but she'd be wheeling around, ministering to half the restaurant, embarrassing us half to death. And that person, before you know on the other line, was crying and weeping with her, you know. And She was saw what the Father was doing the, everywhere we went. And she was always looking because of her own pain and because of compassion for other people and wondering how they were feeling, right? So we must not let this darkness shape our awareness of God. And what does it say in the scriptures? The love of most will what? Grow cold. Not in this church. We can't let that happen. Don't let politics or the whole thing and the craziness of our time get at your love because that's what the enemy is going for. He's going after your love. He wants to harden you. He wants to harden you. And you can't let that happen. You can't let it happen. Even to our enemies. You know, they don't know their right hand from their left. <laughs> They're lost. They do what lost people do, right? But somewhere in there, God's after them anyway, right? Even the Palestinians. I'll guarantee you God's people are in there. Guarantee you there are Palestinian believers right in the midst of Hamas as we speak right now. You know why I know that? Because we're everywhere. <laughs> we're everywhere. I've been in some of the darkest, dankest places in the whole world where I wouldn't think there would be a believer, you know, in a million miles. Walk into this house, 50 people stuffed in there, happy, slapping me on the back, singing the top of their lungs, acting like it wasn't a secret meeting. <laughs> Everybody in the neighborhood knew, knew what they were doing anyway, right? Oh, the love of God. We refuse to respond to the enemy's spirit of fear. That's our biggest trouble with regard to our church and, and I think for really um, uh, just all well-meaning and good people responding uh, to the spirit of fear. We've just got to make sure we fight that and don't let it overwhelm us. Don't let us take over our, our judgment, uh, you know, our, our better judgment. Um, I just think this is one critical thing. I, I've been watching my fear, I've been monitoring my fear a lot just trying to make sure that I, I, I'm not responding in the, in the wrong way. Because that fear always leads me in the wrong direction, I found, right? We'll just skip to Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28 here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Listen to this. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. So all these jerks running around saying the wrong stuff and getting the wrong and, and trying to indoctrinate our children and all the rest, guess what? It's a sign. They're, they're under heavy judgment. And we just need to have compassion because actually we were in that place too. And sometimes... We're not able to give the compassion we need to, but certainly. And here's something I just want to warn all of us. When the Father's love in your heart, you don't get scared like everybody else does. Sometimes I listen to people talk that are Christians, and I think to myself, they are terrified. And they have all this zeal. And I'm thinking, that ain't zeal. You're terrified. You're not, you're not zealous. You're terrified. Where does all this terror come from, right? No, I think you can have zeal without terror, right? 
But he says this, look, strive for this, one for the faith of God, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Their obstinance, their sin, the direction they're going, it's a sign to them that they'll be destroyed and they don't even know it. But you're going to be saved, and that by God. So our posture in this day, it's really important. Let's not respond to the enemy's spirit of fear, get caught up in it, and use that as like, you know, sort of energy for us to be zealous. There's a difference between being zealous for God and moving out of love. That's where you really get faith. That's where you really start to do something. And this spirit of fear that just infects a group of people and causes people not to think clearly, right? And not to pray clearly. And not to seek God clearly. And I believe that the Lord wants to do in this time is with this Jesus invasion, he wants us to not only be involved in the fabric of all life, in the workplace, in the government, wherever we are, in the schools, everywhere, but he wants to do it with the right heart so that we become effective. For the Father loves the Son and shows him what he's doing. So I want to know that rascal over there, what's really going on inside of him. Nothing like a prophetic word to interrupt a rascal. You would not believe how fragile they are. As long as it's from God. <gasps> How'd you know that? And they're thinking, listening device? What are you doing? Are you spying on me? I've had people say that. Have you been spying on me? Who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm the pastor up the street, you know. Yeah, and I said, oh, there's a, there's a church over there? Yeah, yeah, you know that mercy works. Oh, I love that place, you know. <laughs> and we just, and I find out all about them, right? So, <laughs> Uh, this is really important, this Jesus invasion. It'll always have this compassion side to it. You know, and if you don't know much or haven't experienced much of that, uh, well, watch for our latest seminar. Or come to my class at the end of that class. I spent a couple of weeks talking about that and imparting that to people. So look at your outline there, Roman numeral four. We are a presence-driven church. Our main job is to steward the presence of God even in times of trouble King David understood this better than most believers do today. I I love David. Now, part of the stewarding of this, like I said, has to do with our experience with love, right? So look at David here in Psalm 27, verse 1. What a New Testament, Old Testament guy he was, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You know why he was a New Testament guy? It's because he was experiencing regularly the Spirit of God. He was like a beacon for what was to become for all of us after Jesus and the Spirit poured out. He was filled with the Spirit, and there were Old Testament people filled mightily with the Holy Spirit, and David was one of those. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, man. Did I say that again? And can I just tell you again? I'm going to exhort you one more time. Just cool it with the fear stuff, would you please? Please. Because you're driving me crazy. No, I'm just kidding. No, really, you're not, actually. But I mean it. Go back, look inside there. When you find yourself going down that little bunny trail, and, oh, and then, and then, and then, and then, you know, you, whoa, hold, 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 hold the phone. Okay, let's go back again. Okay. You know, you know, and there's plenty of stuff to do it, right? And so this is going the wrong direction because you go deaf and you can't hear God that way. You're so afraid, right? So this is David. And had a, he had a few people after him, whole armies. <laughs> he had problems, man. He had a lot of problems his whole life. He had a lot of good stuff. He had a lot of problems. <laughs> One of which was he made a few mistakes that really did him in, right? But he recovered. 
He was always coming back to this place of the presence, of the love of God, of worship. The Lord is my light and my salvation, he says in this psalm. Whom shall I fear? And he had whole nations mobilized against him. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Saul chasing you around the desert? No. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me, and he had many, to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. See, people that walk like this, we're weird. People think the church is weird anyway. But when you become like this, they really think you're weird. You just don't beat, just go to the beat of the, the, the drummer. You're, you're not, you, you act different. You react different. You talk different. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Why was He doing that? Because that was His source. That was like His gas station. That worship and being in that space filled Him with the presence again. For in the day of trouble, from that place, in the day of trouble, He'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. The secret stuff, the secret sauce we're eating, drinking, (laughs) receiving from God. Our head gets exalted. At the sacred tent I'll sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. The Jesus invasion is full of worship and music at the front of it. That's why the worship and the music has become more and more powerful with every year that goes by. More and more creativity, more and more songs. And that's why I love the worship. I feel God's presence. I feel His love. And that's what we feel. But God's creativity and the music and all of that. It's just wonderful. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, and they were tempted, (laughs) it got pretty bad. The Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. This is what who we are. This I declare this over the whole church, these next two verses. I remain confident of this. I declare it over every one of you. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You that are struggling with something physical, you that are struggling with some kind of marriage issue, you that are struggling with some kind of financial issue or some kind of work issue, I declare today you will see the goodness of of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Just wait for the Lord. He's going to be helping you get to that place. Why is that? Because He really likes you. That's why. <laughs> Some of us are like Einsteins. We're like geniuses. We think that, you know, we just get that little mind of ours going and we're thinking of every possible reason why God doesn't like us or why it couldn't happen or what the reason must be. And sometimes it's just the big D, and that's it. You know what the big D is? Not Dallas. I like Dallas. The devil. What are you going to do about that? Well, you're going to bind him. You're going to loose the angel of heaven. You're going to pray. Oh, pray. That's a novelty. 
Why do you think the Lord put that in the prayer? Lead me away from testing. Lead me away from temptation. Deliver me from evil. Why do you think he put that in there? (laughs) So you could be delivered from evil. It isn't a poem. And so you could be delivered from evil. David understood this. That's why he spent all that time before the Lord. Binding and loosing, worshiping. Half of binding and loosing is just turning your attention to God fully. Let him deal with the devil. And all the rest of it. In our day, the church is the God's temple, gathered as living stones, and agreeing together in prayer for our world. Oh, man. That's the thing I worry about the most with all the politics going on, is that we forget the most powerful force of all. Because it just seems so weak. It doesn't seem like answer. It doesn't feed your ego. It doesn't look like you know anything. Everybody seems to know something these days. 1 Peter 2 For as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a, what kind of house? Spiritual house, right? To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Some of those sacrifices are prayer. Prayer for your nation, prayer for other people, prayer for that person down the street. Spiritual sacrifices. You did the sacrifice of worship and praise today because you're part of a spiritual house. You didn't waste your time today. This is the best time you could spend, especially in the environment. This is the best place you could go. I think we discovered that a little bit when we couldn't come to church anymore. Notice that? Whoa, boy, I think I miss these people more than I thought I would. This is amazing, you know. <clears throat> and I don't care. You know, I, I watch the live stream. And uh, I watch other live streams as well. And I get a lot out of them. But there's nothing like live, real people. And also, it's sort of spontaneous. You never know what a real person might say to you before you get out the door or pray over you, right? Or prophesy over you, especially in this place, right? So hope uh, it's coming soon to a theater near you. Right. So I love these passages. Um, Let me go down to verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Talk about politics. A holy nation. God, We're royal and a priesthood. We're governmental and we're priestly. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if I could underline that, you are a people. You're not just by yourself. You are the people of God. And this present day trouble, if it's done anything, it's just so lovely how it's brought us back to each other and helped us become a unit again. And you know what, I'm, I'm just feeling so good about so many different people that, you know, I was a little critical of before. I don't care how, you know. So they don't agree exactly with my whatever, this or that. But boy, they're on my side. They know Jesus, and that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm getting more and more like that, you know. That's generous of me, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just saying, that was not a good place I was in. So I'm glad. I just, you know, the, I just don't worry about it anymore, you know. You're for kingdom, for God, you know, okay, man, I'll listen to what you have to say and everything, but just let's go, let's, I'll be praying with you, let's, we all have a lot in common, and especially these days, more than we have not in common. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, and there's reasons for this, because we're in a war, we're part of this Jesus invasion that's invading the earth at the same time the enemy's trying to invade and steal and destroy. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. You see it all the time. We're in a time where that's happening now more rapidly and more visibly, right? All over the earth. And pray in the Spirit, he says, on all occasions. How many occasions? All. Well, all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. If they're the Lord's people, people you might not disagree with on some issue or this or that, but pray for them all. You know, it's so funny. During the pandemic, I watched some of those people uh, that, you know, I, I vehemently disagree with some of their positions on the Holy Spirit. But when I saw them stand up to some of the authorities and just go for God and believe and trust, I went, I have a new respect for you. You are amazing. You are amazing. That's about the bravest thing I've ever seen. You've got a lot under the hood. I began to see our body of Christ in a whole different way. And I still see them that way. I even tune into them sometimes. I just love what they're, I love what they're saying. They, they have the Holy Spirit in a dramatic way, in a way that's a little different than me, but powerful, smart, good, incisive, you know. And uh, praying the Spirit on all kind, uh, occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests for this. I mean, I think... I don't know about you, but I got a new appreciation for the body of Christ after we've gone through all this disease and all this crazy stuff. Have you? I, I really have. Uh, I mean, even when they rail on us for this or that, you know, I don't care. I'm still good. You know, Jesus, uh, I'm going to need you. <laughs> You're going to need me, right? With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Well, it's nice to know Paul needed prayer to be fearless. He seemed pretty fearless to me, right? Remember, evidently he dealt with fear from time to time, witnessing or sharing with somebody. For which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He's in jail for Christ, but he's still asking God to give him more, more courage. So, as a presence-driven church, we steward the presence of God, even in times of trouble, King David, of course, was doing that in the temple, right? But we also host the Spirit of God inside of us as temples. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit corporately and individually. We know that. There is power and influence exerted from our individual and corporate dwelling places in God. So we are a dwelling place individually. The Spirit lives inside of us, but also together. Our attitudes, speech, or action, speech, worship, and prayer shape the world around us and also the speech cover us, covers us, right? And so one thing you don't want to be doing is talking like the world talks. And could I just say talking in worried tones like the world does, panicking like the world does. I do as a matter of discipline. Don't let myself go down that road. Don't let me go. I, I just pray, Lord, help me not to go down that road. That does no good whatsoever. Whenever I get in a negative place, whether it's anger or fear, I just, not, not for me. These are not times for that. The times for the opposite spirit, and you get the opposite fruit. And also, you hear God's voice about something that you might be a part of as an answer to the problem, right? And what you can do as a contributor in this situ- these situations. So our attitudes, actions, speech, worship, and prayer shape the world around us. They influence. We're like the salt of the earth. Oh, that's a nice thought. We are the salt of the earth. And also at the same time that we're the salt of the earth, it supernaturally covers us to walk in this way. I love David so much, his Psalms. He's the New Testament, Old Testament man, right? Or the Old Testament, New Testament man. Look at Psalm 27, verse 4 to 14. This guy, listen to him. This, this is a, I wanna, when I grow up, I want to be just like him. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. When you see His beauty, something softens and also something hardens. 
You get softer to God, but you get bolder as a lion with other people, right? There's something about the beauty and the integrity, the beauty of the Lord. Uh, a matter of fact, I think that's where real courage comes from. True courage comes from beholding the beauty of the Lord. You become bolder as a lion, but not in your own strength. You see what I'm saying? Not in your own strength. And part of that has to do with, like, even what we were doing today. You know, we were gazing today as we were worshiping. I love to gaze, you know. It's part of it. It's so great. Thank you guys for the worship and helping us and serving. It's just so beautiful to gaze on the beauty of the Lord in His temple, right? That's one of our main jobs, even in times of trouble. And David was up to his eyeballs. This is the guy writing this. He was always in trouble. Always. For in the day. <laughs> so he's telling us the lifestyle we need. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then what happens after that? Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. When? Oh, when I'm doing this gazing thing, right? Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Because see, when you're worshiping in here, far more is going on than you think. You're dealing with the political situations and the other situations of your life right here. When you do this worship, you're dealing with it. And that doesn't seem like you're dealing with it, but you are. Your, your spirit, you're joining with the angels and the heavenlies. You're praying, you're turning your attention to the Lord, and you're letting the Lord calm you down and give you wisdom far after you leave this place. Because that's why he says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. This is the the sacred tent, by the way. And we have another sacred tent right over there. That sacred tent is really amazing. I don't want to go on a rabbit trail here. But the worship that goes on there three times a week is incredible. And what's happening with regard to the ministry and the healing and the salvation is also incredible. It's beautiful. It's a perfect picture of this. Oh, I love that place. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. David knew a little bit about betrayal, by the way. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Then he says this to summarize the whole thing. And I just declare this over this church. I declare this over every believer in our region. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. No matter what situation you're in, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Be strong. Take heart. David understood this so well. And I'll close with this psalm again. One of these songs that are maybe the songs of Jesus invaders like you and me, right? Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We were doing that just now. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. How did David know to write all this? Because he was being chased by enemies all the time. (laughs) He understood. And also, he was also invading all the time. He was doing both. He was in a constant place of war. But look what he did in his private life. 
You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. That was the biggest thing about that COVID thing. The biggest thing. Whenever I saw someone too zealous about that, I go, that guy's ter- they're terrified. Almost always. They're terrified. They're scared to death. They are frightened out of their mind. That was the root of it. That's why we couldn't indulge in some of their fantasies as much, right? We couldn't go there, right? For one reason, I just did it out of principle. I'm not going to go there and be terrified along with all the rest of you. Full every little statistic and how many people died over there and what this happened over there. I don't know, but as far as me and my house, let's see. Um, the pest and the stalks in the darkness, I don't have to be afraid of that. The plague destroys the midday. No, no. Even if a thousand fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it'll not come near me. I'll only observe with my eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. I, I say, if you say, the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. Oh, are you kidding me? No disaster will come near your tent. I, that's why I like that tent so much. Just go sit in that tent over there. No disaster will come. And I just quote this passage to myself. No disaster will come near your tent. <laughs> For he command his angels concerning you to guard you in how many ways? All your ways. Oh, my gosh. This is getting better and better. They will lift you up in their hands. These Jesus invasion people have all these angels with them. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Wow, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. There's that love thing again. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Wow. Well, I just walked on water. I finished before 12 o'clock. It's incredible. I'm walking on water. It's amazing. I don't know what to do with myself. You know, I think I have another sermon in my office. I'll go get it real quick. No? All right, let's all stand. So let's ask for a Jesus invasion. I don't suppose anybody in here has any trouble. But just in case, uh, part of this is we get to pray. Pray for one another and enforce these amazing words as good soldiers in this invasion over ourselves in our own house. I'd like the ministry team to come up. I have had this feeling. It's more than a feeling, an impression, a very strong impression. Since before I walked in here, it was happened early this morning, that today is a day of great healing, physical healing. And uh, I've been, uh, I, I, I was looking across the crowd, I was getting words of knowledge for people and stuff, and I'm thinking, oh boy, you must be on today. So uh, I want all the help I can get up here, because I want to just call a few of you out that uh, need healing in some specific way. I'd love for as many ministry team people as we got, and even if I don't call your name about any kind of healing that you need, don't worry about it. Just come anyway. And even if someone isn't praying for you, exactly, just stand here and just ask God to heal, because I, I believe there's a healing anointing in the room. I, I always know there's a, there's always a healing room anointing here, but I always know, especially when I start getting words of knowledge without even hardly trying over people, right? And I'll just give some general ones that I was hearing, but I was looking at specific people. And um, So here, I want to just pray over anyone that has, especially if you suffer from severe uh, migraine headaches, I think before the year 2023 uh, uh, is over with, it would be nice to be done with that. So make sure you come up today and receive. Um, and, and any illness you have, Come up. 
this is a good day to do this. If there's anyone here that's struggling with, uh, I kept seeing somebody's left shoulder and it was stiff and it was, you've been struggling with it for a while, just come up. Anyone that's uh, having difficulty with the ligaments in their knee, uh, heart condition, especially maybe uh, it's uh, sort of sudden and new to you. Anyone that's dealing with migraines, especially uh, serious and it's been very troublesome to you, why don't you come? And listen, I'm not just telling these people to come. You might highly recommend, if I say something, you might want to make sure you come up here. But if you have any kind of thing you want prayer over, a family situation, this is the day where we get to meet all of our in-laws and outlaws all over again. So maybe you're concerned about that. Or maybe you're praying and you'd like prayer for someone to come home that's so far away and that you haven't seen in a while. Let's, let's make this a great house of prayer, all right? And let's intercede and ask God to do something amazing for all that come up, okay? So we're just going to do some worship. If you need to go, feel free. If you'd like to come up and get prayed for, a bunch of us will be up here and be ready to pray for you. Or you could just stand there by yourself and pray, and maybe somebody will get to you, okay? So don't feel, uh, if not, nobody gets to you right away, don't worry. We'll get to you eventually, okay? And just do your prayer before the Lord. Amen. God bless you.